Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Or a mock time if you spell it backwards. No, that's the other one. That's not spelling it backwards, that's saying it backwards. If you uh, spell it backwards, it's comma emit. <laughs> and I'll tell you this one thing that this episode did not do is emit a coma because I did not in, in any sense of the imagination or stretch even there of fall asleep. It was a pretty exciting episode. I enjoyed it. How about you? Yeah, it was uh, pretty good. There was a lot of uh, interesting little tidbits uh I, I, my words escaped me but you know it was yeah i i like timey wimey episodes all right so um oh so here's the thing <laughs> so we what we have to say is uh so earl yes sir my name is jack dorino yes hi jack welcome to the show my name is uh earl gray Let's talk about Treks. This week is taken to Star Trek Prodigy. Season one. Episode eight. Time. Amok. <laughs> this is the seventh episode of Star Trek Prodigy overall. I know it's called episode eight. Just go with <laughs> just just go with it. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. is the 825th episode of Star Trek overall. It was released on January 20th, 2022. Or 2022 for us snobs. Whichever one you want to be. Either way, let's walk through the episode. Yeah, this episode had no trailer or a teaser. One of the things I was considering is maybe they don't put teasers in the front of episodes that kind of have a better direct connection to each other. Uh, you mean like if they pick up where we last left off? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So the okay. scene just before the, the credits, if you were to cut the credits out and the opening credits sequence out. Huh, okay. So you could just stitch them together. Well, that's an interesting theory. I'd love to check it out. Yeah. Um, but uh, this episode was written by Nick Hill. Nick, Nick Hill? S.J. I, yeah, I should have pronounced, practiced that before. Jerem. 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 Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. It was also directed by Olga Olenova and Song Shen. Yes. So, I have a new theory for you about the directors. Okay. It is my theory that one director is for the voice actors and one director is for the animation. Oh, that's an interesting theory. Why, thank or you. Or hypothesis. We should test that. Maybe uh, next episode we could look into that. Yes, maybe we'll do some research. <laughs> <laughs> or are you hinting that you've done the research? Oh, no, no, no. No, no. I haven't oh, done the okay. research. Okay. I'm just saying, maybe maybe this time we'll prepare for the show by doing some <laughs> research. Wouldn't that be an interesting idea? Well, I mean, we did some research into these people, who these people are, or who, you know, their parts in the show. We read their names on the screen. Oh, that's what you said. I note that this episode does also start with a training officer's log, which I don't believe we've heard before. Uh, do you think maybe did we hear one from Spock during the movie, the first movie, where we were coming aboard with the training? Oh, right when uh, in uh, Star Trek Two. Uh, sure. Yes, that's the one. Mm -hmm. That's one uh, where, we, where we had the fake I out. Don't think, 
No, I don't think he did anything like that. Okay. Uh, but we also discover that uh, apparently the hologram J Janeway has a title. He does. Uh, she's a training officer. She, That's a good catch. Yep. She's a training officer. So she's an actual official officer, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they've obviously incorporated the fact and the idea that she is a sentient, independent life form. Oh. Are we saying that she's sentient? That's interesting. If she is related to whatever the doctor, you know, whatever gave the doctor sentience on, on Voyager, then yeah, if she's got similar programming. See, what they did is they took one of his neural engrams and they split it in... Never mind. <laughs> During this training officer's log, we learned the star date. Is this the first star date that we've seen in Prodigy? No. Uh, Dell has done logs before. So this star date, did you catch what it was? Six zero seven one two five point six. Does that seem odd to you? Yes, it does. What does that sound like to you? Uh, like ten thousand more star dates than. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely adds another digit, right? So, yeah. because usually the star dates, like the you know the first episode of, or let's go with star, let's go with Voyager, right? So, because the lore around Prodigy has been, you know, that the Prodigy is about five years after the Voyager return to Earth, right? So that would be star date five four nine seven three point four. Okay. Right. So five years after that, which is what Prodigy was, is you know, it has been rumored to be in. It would be five nine nine seven three. Let's put some commas in there to make sure that we understand what's happening here. So yeah. five years after the Voyager returns in fifty four thousand nine hundred seventy three. Mm -hmm. Five years after that would be fifty nine thousand nine hundred seventy three, and then one year later from that would be sixty thousand nine hundred seventy three. But the start date that is mentioned on screen by the Voyager training officer is yep. 607,125.6. That's uh, uh, more than a hundred times. That's uh, at least 600,000 years from, well, zero, but it's, it's like, it's, it's very far in the future. Yeah. Which begs the question, could it be possible that somehow Protostar was uh, captured by Starfleet itself from the future and brought to the time that they're in. But Janeway, see, Janeway's recording this log, huh. and okay. her her data and her memory says the star date is according to the, you know, the date that she was created on. So she maybe she isn't aware that she's in the future. Well, in the past, because she would be in the or, far past. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that she's in in her past, like the super distant past. And, but but the 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 crew is in, um, just five years in the future of Voyager, and the huh. diviner, or the divine the, the the asteroid that the diviner is on, the you know all that going on is also in the same time frame, five years after. Voyager got home. Sure. Um, so Do that... You, maybe there's been some time dilation from the protostar traveling so fast? Ooh. So maybe... Oh. So 
Because the protostar traveled faster than warp 10, right? So... Well, uh, I mean... Yeah, because warp 9.9, they did about a four years jump at warp 9.9, and they did it, like, super quickly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they have to... It seems like they have to be at warp in order to go to proto star drive. I think that makes sense. I think it's like uh, you got to go to second gear before you go to third. Okay. So this uh, this seems like a mystery. Maybe we'll revisit, uh, hopefully, sometime in the near future. Yeah. yeah. Curiouser and curiouser. Yep. So on our first uh, crew scene, we have uh, a puzzle uh, that I think I had you know heard before it's about a fox a chicken and a bag of grain on the holodeck yeah and now am i the only one that thinks that there should be a scorpion there too no so that's a that's a scorpion and what is it a, a it's something that's crossing the river it's a scorpion on the back of something yeah so i think that's an aesop fable that you're thinking of yeah or i think chakotay owns it as a native american fable because chakotay Tells it oh, to uh, sure. Janeway in the episode in Scorpion title. Ah, good uh, job. Yeah, crafty callback. That's oh, that's good. Oh, that's clever. Oh, that's very interesting. I wonder if that's the kind of idea that they were they were going for. Well, so this Possibly. particular riddle actually comes from uh, what's called uh, propositiones ad aquendos jóvenes, right? Which is a uh, medieval Latin manuscript. Uh, that's called well the translation is problems for young brains right so it was supposed to be you know puzzles mm -hmm. to help young kids learn how to you know do critical thinking it was written by a gentleman named uh, the alquin of york and it had uh, 63 or 69 ish problems depending on i guess your the version maybe first edition has 63 and then as textbooks do, they come out with an, in a new edition every year. So if you have to retake the class, you have to buy a new book. Sure, sure, sure. Because you know they add and remove. They you got to add drop the little pieces of the of the book. Um, there's a one of them actually. One of the little puzzles in the book caught my eye because it made me think about figuring out exactly how much extra space there is on a galaxy class ship and then it's at its uh, saucer section because there's like <laughs> there's like brains of sand standing on a giant platform you know when they do the pictures of of that kind of thing um mm. so number 29 of this book uh is about so it says there's a city that's eight thousand feet in circumference and let let him say who is able how many houses should the city contain that each should be 30 feet long by 20 feet wide it's like a living quarters or a lab uh-huh how many of those fit into the to the uh saucer size section of the enterprise d i think they should write a new version of this where they give the exact <laughs> dimensions of the enterprise d and you have to figure out exactly how all the rooms fit uh-huh that would that would be quite interesting so uh we do this time timey-wimey split thing yeah, yeah. yeah when we're in uh what was it called a what kind of storm it's a tachyon storm. So a spatial phenomenon causes the ship to be fractured yes. <laughs> into different times. Yes. So does this remind you of anything really quickly? Yes, it does. It does. Mm. And when we see, when they get fractured, we see this burst of purpleness. Okay. Light. And it reminds me of uh, the Futurama episode. Huh. Season three, episode nineteen. All right. Roswell that ends well. Okay. Fry is uh, making pop popcorn in the microwave. 
and uh, in the meantime, they're watching a Nova or something getting ready to explode, and okay. it makes a certain color of light huh. in the microwave because he's using metal in the microwave. Emits another color of light, and Fry says, "Hey, what tastes like?" And he says, "Blue," but in this case, it's purple. I think it was blue. Maybe it was red. But huh. uh, um, so yeah, I'm like when I saw that color, I'm like, "Hey, what tastes like purple?" Okay, yeah, what does taste like purple? You know what tastes like purple? Apparently time fracturing. Yeah, because Chakotay uh, tasted that too a few years ago. You remember that? No. So there's an episode of Voyager. It's from yeah. uh, the seventh season. Uh, it's, it's uh, we're gonna do this whole thing. So it's episode 157 of Voyager and 11 of season seven. Um, okay. Which came out about 21 years ago. Uh, but it's an, ep it's an episode of Voyager where a spatial phenomenon causes the ship to be fractured so that different parts exist at different points in time and Commander Chakotay must fight old adversaries in order to get Voyager restored to normal. Chakotay was the hologram. Chakotay was the hologram? Yeah, because in, in this episode, the hologram is bouncing back and forth between the times and tying them together. Oh, and that okay, yeah. So was. Chakotay wasn't a hologram, but he was Chakotay. But he's taking the play. His character would take the place of what is now Janeway's character. Yes. Thank you for explaining the joke. Oh, there was a joke. No. Oh, yes, Chakotay was the ten dog. So moving on, uh, Rob decides that they don't want to be the chief security officer. Yeah. And right about then is when the whole fake kitten caboodle ruse comes falling down for the crew. They admit that they had stolen the ship, and Zero takes it upon themselves to explain. Well, and we don't hear the explanation and exactly how, what what detail they go into or how they explain it, but yeah. I think I pretty much have assumed that they kind of told the whole story. Like, there's really not much to tell. She's been along for the journey, so all they have to do is say, yeah. this this is where the ship was, we found it, we took it, we aren't really a crew. We're just trying to get away from yada yada. And she'd be like, oh, okay, let's go. Yeah. Right? Like, I'd be okay with that. I think if I was a hologram, I'd be like, well, that's, that's you know, his, his cause yeah, is just in his quarrel is honorable. I think even, like, hologram Picard would go with them. Yeah. So, I mean, there's nothing really to argue with here. That She's in a similar situation to them. She needs to get away from that asteroid mine. Sure. Well, does she? If the ship were to have remained where it was, eventually the Diviner would have found it. Sure. Yes. And the Diviner would have used it for its purposes. Or perhaps maybe someone else would have come along and found it. Who knows? I mean, yeah, potentially before the Diviner got there. But either way, I'm sure the Protostar and Janeway hologram would have wanted to get back home regardless. I think that's probably the mission of the Protostar is what it kind of sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Next, in our first cutscene, we cut over to the Diviner, who's uh, hanging out in his Soul Train set, apparently, with the big, you know, psychedelic sun around him. Yeah. He's on his, like, uh -huh. 80s dance show, or it just might be ES ESPN uh, Sports Center. I'm really not sure which one it is, but he really knows how to, like, deck out a set to fit his Lady Gaga gear. He's really, yeah, okay. like, doing it up. Like, he's really doing a show for us here. And, uh, but mm -hmm. leave it to a Ferengi female to make a cameo. So Dal's mom pops up. She just kind of, like a typical Frankie, is going after the reward. She, the first thing she asks is, you know, is the reward still available? He's like, just tell me what you want, Frankie. <laughs> She's the reason that there are slurs about her people at the Academy. 
<laughs> slurs? There are slurs about our people at the academy? Oh, never mind, never mind. Yes, I'll buy something. Would you like me to buy something? <laughs> it's funny. I think that every episode has had a point where Murph does something. It's vaguely cute. And then immediately Murph gets sad. Sorry, random rabbit hole. No, it's it's okay. Maybe it's uh, Murph's whole purpose. Murph's whole purpose is to, just to be some some comic relief, just to be, give you some warms and fuzzies. Maybe. It seems that way thus far. Okay. But I always think with those, you always have to like keep your eye out because they're always a a, a riddle in disguise. You know, because Murph did yeah. eat some frelling like I don't know bombs or something. Yeah, yeah. I expect that Murph is more than meets the eye. Sure, sure, he's a robot in disguise, like Dreadnought. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> he used to say he's a um, he's an Autobot, and Dreadnought is a Decepticon. Mm-hmm. So. Speaking of uh, Nandy... He's a, he's, he's a Waterbot. You know, like, they have, like, Dinobots, and, like, the Autobots, and, like, you know... Oh, right, so this one's... He, Murph is just a bunch of goo. He's a Waterbot, so... he's a Goobot, he's a Goobot, he's... <laughs> Oh no, is that what the GoBots turned into? That's what the GoBots evolved into. Yeah, they turned into GooBots so they could transform into anything. They don't have to keep to just two forms. GooBots and a changeling. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're going back to Nandy really uh -huh, quick. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. The Diviner calls her a Ferengi, and I think this is the first time in the show that we've actually mentioned the word Ferengi. Really? Yeah, Dal. In the last episode, Dal didn't say this. This is Nandy, a Ferengi. Huh. Interesting. She was my adoptive mom. He just says this is Nandy. So I think they were just kind of trying to figure out a way to introduce the species name. Did we do without... a rule of acquisitions episode? There was a whole bunch of rules of acquisition, but nobody explains what these rules of acquisition. They would have been called the Ferengi rules of acquisitions, though, correct? Every time in the episode, they just say, you know, rule of acquisition, this is that. Why? How interesting. And since she's a Ferengi, she doesn't need to clarify that they're the Ferengi rules of acquisition. Sure, sure. You don't call it a, a, a human car, you just call it car. Yeah, or you don't call it, you know... I don't call it a comeback because it's been here for years. <laughs> One of the things that I also was kind of confused about is to try and track down the protostar. The diviner just kind of sends a program or data for the replicator, the yeah. vehicle replicator, to build a clone sure. of his robot dude. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. P800. I mean, he's not but, trying to track it down, is he? I, I don't know what the purpose of the T-800 yeah. is. So, so the purpose is because he's there now four years away from him. Yeah. Right. So the only way for him to reach them is through, like, the technology. Yeah. So he just sends, he sends Dreadnought in a program, like, yeah. and has him 3D printed. Yeah. And he can be his arms and eyes and Yeah. He, he, he's, a, he's a little literal drone. Yeah. Or probe. But the problem that I had was... Why doesn't that protostar have a decent firewall? This is a very fair question. I imagine, however, that the diviner has a uh, back door to the okay. ship. Okay. I mean, uh -huh. nothing. That was not, moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. He could probably yeah. access in certain ways if he if he really wants to. Well, 
you know, yeah, some sub-subsystems. How much access that the Diviner had to the Protostar before um, he lost it, before it wound up on this uh, asteroid, on the asteroid that they were mining. Um, what do you think the best tool for him to have replicated on that 3D replicator would have been to solve this puzzle of getting them back? Um, oh, don't you think that maybe he could have just built, he could have just sent a different hologram? to take over the Janeway program and just like pilot the ship back to him using the proto drive? Like why doesn't he have his own hologram just like disconnected from the ship that can just like get out there and do stuff on the ship? I think this was like a last minute sort of plan. I see. So he suffers but, from I poor mean, planning you're saying? In, in, I don't know. Hmm. Well, that That's definitely a good question. I'm sure that they well, thank you. think of uh, that detail before they just kind of applied it to the script. Oh. Plus, you know, I mean, as we've been saying quite often in this uh, particular show, the, these kind of details that we talk about are things that the intended audience of the show doesn't probably wouldn't think about those details. As you mentioned, the Drownock, Drownock, what's his name? Dreadlocks? Dread, Dreadnought. Dow, the Dowrock from Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> is beginning it begins its replication you know onto the protostar's giant 3d printer yeah and jane as jane and gwen in the jane gwen i'm calling i'm going to call him the gwenway gwenway uh -huh. have a heart to heart in the uh in the heart of a storm attacking on the storm to be exact okay and guess what then we go back to uh the protostar drive being breached boom jane comes awash <laughs> then we see the wash cycle which we just mentioned a minute ago it's the janeway five the, you know it's a jazz band i don't know if you knew that in the 24th century <laughs> the, Jane, the Janeway Five, they kind of like do like mouth instruments. So like, you know, kazoos and they'll use like a comb and like one of them has a harp, uh, though it's a mouth harp. And then one of them does have a triangle. So there's that. And then after the Janeway Five, we see Rock and then Zero and then Murph and then Gwyn and then Dow. That's the wash cycle of the uh, of the protostar go boom. Okay. Well, yeah, I think they're just showing the different timelines. It's a very... Um very unique way of showing it i thought it was yeah. very creative and artistic they they i think they showed the, the trajectory of the sine wave that we'll yeah. discuss later in the episode so we come back from the laundromat of the yep. protostar go boom the protostar go boom laundromat open all night corners only <laughs> and rock is rock is cowering in the corner yeah. and there's one part that really like kind of caught my ear that i haven't quite figured out what it means in the context of the episode because rock says to janeway that Ba 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 happened. We went to the laundromat, and then everyone started moving weird. Everything. Oh, she said everything. Yeah, everything oh, okay. started moving weird. Oh, that makes sense because I heard everyone started moving weird, and it sounded like there was something going on that we missed. So I'm glad of that. I just passed it, but I'm pretty sure she said everything started moving. Earl Grey fixed the thing. You did, Earl Grey. Sort of fixed the thing. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. This is the special jazz edition. Uh, oh, Prodigy okay. because the Janeway Five is doing their cover shows. But before she gets to Rock, she gets to Murph, and she kind of just ignores him and goes, just allows herself to go on to the next time. So it was Rock in the corner, and then you know Janeway, you know, in the conversation about everybody's moving or everything is moving weird, and mm -hmm. then uh, Rock is alone, and Janeway goes to zero, and it makes me think of Janeway and Torres, like 
you know, well, first, you know, back in the day, back in the back in the OG days of uh, of Voyager, it would be mm -hmm. Janeway and Torres talking about engineering or talking about science, and then mm -hmm. you know, in the latter in Voyager, the the next generation, there was you know Janeway and Seven talking about science. So it gave me uh, those uh, that Janeway science mom tease. Okay. Like Voyager, and uh, then Janeway pops over to Murph. This is clearly nothing. Right, and then Janeway finds Dow, you know, uh -huh. probably playing that game from, uh, you know, the game that Wesley should have popped in as the traveler and told him, "Hey, stop playing that game." <laughs> it's Why it's now? a trap. It's a trap. And this is when this is when Dow encounters the. So here's why. So this weird thing happened is yeah, there should be some sort of firewall, but I think that there. I think what's happening here is that there's not like a corrupted program. It's that it's sending the program in normal time and Dal's not in normal time well you're you're confusing your timelines the timeline that the t800 is being sent to is gwen's timeline no no that no no so dal is trying to make something in the 3d printer right in the vehicle thing oh right but he yeah, said it's all so, jacked up all right, right that's what i'm talking yeah, about yeah okay so yeah it, so like it's trying to download the thing jacked it. up there, right. that replicator can't do it but right. the replicator in the there, because the the replicator that she has is probably happening like she's probably there before the program is sent. Anyway, so Dow's there while the uh, the Terminator bot is downloading. He just doesn't know yeah. it. Um, there was a mention at one point of Apollo thirteen. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a interesting name drop. Yeah, yeah. So Apollo thirteen was you know what was it the third? Uh, it was supposed to be the third moon lunar landing. Yeah, it was supposed to be the third lunar landing. Right. Uh, Eleven was the first, then twelve, obviously. Mm -hmm. So we all know how to count. But fair uh, enough. Yes. Good job. And then uh, the one, an oxygen tank in the service module failed, so they aborted that mission. And yeah. they did something that I, I don't really think about very much, and I think I forget a lot, uh -huh. uh, and that is that they looped around the moon to get back. So we have been around the dark side of the moon yeah and so there was a very big tense moment back in the day mm -hmm. when they went around the there was no there's no communication on the dark side right, of the moon right right as far as we know so Did where you, are the pictures though did you take pictures i i think we yeah they they took pictures but they didn't land like you know a satellite or a you know a relay station or something at the time they didn't i don't think they had the money or the technology Ooh, to do let's that. start a conspiracy theory that they did well uh there is one that oh is there either, either the cia or the the russians or uh maybe now the chinese have oh. a secret base on the dark side of the oh my no oh. well i've been scooped on my conspiracy theory i think there's a whole movie called apollo 18 sure because apollo 17 was the last official moon landing and uh i think apollo 18 is supposed to go to the dark side of the moon and they find life forms or something and they get attacked and they get killed and destroyed so they just you know forget that they ever existed okay <laughs> so then janeway meets uh evil bot mm -hmm. and gwen gets to attack evil bot yeah and evil bot at one point i don't know if you noticed this i barely caught it i had to go back and check and then i had to verify through the interwebs when i heard the robot go chakotay zulu x-ray x-ray dash 475 mm -hmm. 
it sounded like Chakotay. I was like, oh yeah, of course it would have to sound like Chakotay. So I did check the credits, and it was indeed voiced by Robert Beltran. Was it? it was I didn't indeed. think it sounded like Chakotay. I thought it sounded like the T eight hundred. Oh well, I mean, yeah, just for that, I, just for that section. To me, I had to go back and I listened to it a couple times, and yep, that's Chakotay. This is right about the time where I noticed as the robot's walking around that it has no feet. <laughs> no, did you see this? Yeah, it's walking point. around on little stilts. Like it's got like maybe did the vehicle replication not finish on him or something? <laughs> and the robot's robots stomp stomping around on those toothpicks talking about you are his greatest mistake. And I'm like, no, maybe not giving you feet was probably not a good idea. Cause <laughs> like because it's so easy for Gwen just to flush you because like you don't you can't stand up. Right? So as soon as the air comes, you just woo. Yeah, that would have been a greatest mistake. Maybe he should have put some magnets in those little toothpick dips. <laughs> Maybe he did. Uh, they're just really weak magnets. They're just very small because they're very tiny little things that he stands on. So we come back to rock and rock. Uh, at least from the number of chimerium mine slot bowls of food there are laying around. Rock's apparently yeah. been alone for quite a long time. Either that or just really serious into some uh, uh, pity eating or whatever like, you call it. I can eat as much as I want. I'm going to replicate as many bowls of this stuff as I can. <laughs> the one thing I was curious about is the first time they visit Rock, for Janeway to go to the next timeline, uh, the only thing that Rock says is make Janeway go away. And they yeah. imply that, that, that the computer deleted the program when no, she no, said no. that. Oh, no, no, hmm? no, 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 no. So what, what happened is this is a wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey thing, right? So what happens is that later on in the episode, we come across a moment where uh, Dreadnought says to delete Janeway. So that time happened in between the time that Rock said go away and then Rock said come back. But Rock's time is going slower. Exactly. And, but they're, 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 she's not further in the future or further in the past she, she sometimes she is well she just it's just going slower so sure i guess sometimes she is they're on a sine wave so like there's a mm. curvature of time okay. so while some are speeding up some are slowing down because there are different points on the on the sine wave yeah so it's not it's not linear like they don't lay linearly across like if you were to lay them across each other uh-huh uh, they would last the they wouldn't stretch they wouldn't all stretch all the way across yeah but they would stretch further than just the solid original length of time oh okay rock's length of time is longer than the actual length of time it's the actual mm -hmm. length of time is somewhere around jenkin pog's length of time uh jenkin pog's was going faster gwen was the yes i know that's what i'm saying the actual length of time was more like jenkin pog's length of time and everybody else got pushed. Everybody else got pushed into uh, what? Well, but Jacob Pog said that he he had ten minutes to fix a thing, and less than ten minutes later, this is why Janeway was confused because it didn't take ten minutes for the ship to blow up for Jacob Pog. So she was confused why it took so little time for the ship to blow up when Jacob Pog said he had ten minutes. He had less than ten minutes. He was wrong. Jacob Pog's time. He was in the shortest. Time. He was in the shortest possible. He was in the shortest time. He was traveling faster through time. Yeah, he had the quickest time. Yeah. So 
at real at the real speed of time, he had 10 minutes. But because his time was faster than real time, he had less than 10 minutes. Sure. Oh, great. Explains a thing. Welcome to Science Friday, folks. Back to so, my question. Mm-hmm. So I think what they imply, though, is that maybe Rock misunderstood what was going on when in the other timeline Janeway d- got deleted and that maybe she thought that she caused Janeway to be deleted by saying make Janeway go away oh she did that's what she thought but that's not yeah. what happened she got deleted because of the other person telling them to delete Janeway okay so they just deleted like the, the connection to the data but didn't delete the data okay so Rock has a long time, though, to sit around, yeah. and it seemed like Rock had a long time to grow up. But it's kind of like a, kind of seemed like a, uh, like a Hancock, not a Hancock situation. What's the, what's the guy with the Wilson Castaway, the Castaway situation? Yeah, Castaway. Like kind of alone on an island. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, I get it. It's, so they have all the time in the world because there there is no time on the when you're the only one there on an island. He, yeah. I mean, the only time he has to worry about is how long he hasn't eaten. Sure, for for a while, yeah. You know, or had fire or whatever. Yeah. So Gwyn shows Rock through a message, interestingly, how to rebuild the Matrix, and mm-hmm. uh, and you know, Rock of course has all that time to learn the computer science, apparently, and returns Janeway from the double dead. Yep. Because I think she's been dead before. <laughs> oh, the hologram Janeway. I've, just Janeway in general. Like, she's had oh. a habit of this, it seems. Well, in, in the uh, All Good Things timeline, future timeline, yeah, she's died before. Okay. This time that Rock has by themselves, I'm not sure how long it is, but I feel like a good estimation is, like, maybe, like, long enough to build, like, a, a, a like, medium, you know, skill level model, but not long enough to build, like, a working car that drives down the street you know okay. from parts yeah. okay maybe <laughs> although there, there was a the building of a warp matrix so I don't know yeah they definitely got up to a lot because I mean it looked like maybe they were studying shrimp for a little while and then studying or maybe they got distracted off of studying humpbacks or maybe the uh, pro builder people that actually look like humpbacks sure this is the time when she's trying to learn about time travel yeah and so you know she has to watch star trek 4 the one with the whales <laughs> which is the official should be the official title oh, it is the, wait is there another title for it the voyage home what the voyage home you mean voyager no star trek 4 the voyage the one home. with the whales no it's star trek yeah, 4 the one with the whales Anyway, so it seems like as there's like a big flourish as, you know, uh, we have the the flourishing montage of rocks coming to save the day and, you know, learning all these things and yada yada and with Karate Kid montage, etc. Is it, a, it sounded almost like a Voyager music cue, like the ba ba ba. Yeah, I think I picked that up. I oh, picked good. up on that. Oh, I wonder when we come back and, uh, you know, everybody's back together in their own little their own mm-hmm. little uh, normal time with, with, with all of us. Um, mm-hmm. Jenkin Pog says he remembers dying and I wonder then yeah, if so there is a time that. where he remembers being alive but also remembers being dead or am I going to Marvel Comics right here 
<laughs> I don't know. Um, but he's he did say that he explicitly remembered uh, not being alive. Yeah, it's super. Yeah. One little Easter egg, when the timelines were still fractured and we came to Murph for a brief moment there. Oh, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our new segment. <laughs> this is a new segment that's going to be researched, uh, you know, as often as possible by our friend Earl Gray. Um, here's the theme song. Here's the, here's the, here's the theme song. Just play, and you'll miss it. Welcome to Blake, you'll miss it. Earl, take it away. <laughs> oh, God, now you get me embarrassed. Um, so they, there's a uh, gravity boot on the floor next to him. I was wondering if when they were having slight gravity issues earlier in the episode or something, um, if Murph ate that gravity boot to stay, stay down on the floor. <laughs> That, that could very well be true. Why? I guess it would be easier than like glumping into the gravity. Well, oh, yeah, maybe. If that's yeah, a possibility. He always seems, if that's a possibility. Murph always generally seems to have the same size. Maybe it's uncomfortable for them to be in a smaller space. Sure. I wonder if Murph could contain zero. Or if zero could contain, or if zero, zero's containment could contain Wait. Murph. I wonder how marketable the beverage Murph Zero is. <laughs> The other thing I was wondering, though, that gravity boot, that looks awful similar to the uh, Star Trek Six boot that they try and get crewman Dax. It's, it's, yeah, it's stolen from Dax. Yeah. Well, not. Stolen directly from Dax. Dax is actually a descendant of Howard the Duck also. Howard probably. the Duck. Yeah. Same feet. Oh, oh wait. Well, oh, okay. Happy bingo, ladies and gentlemen. Huh? Oh, nothing. The, the other blinking, you miss it. Just blink, and you'll miss it. The first person that Dow thinks of when uh, he's calling to just check if see if anybody's around is Gwen. Oh, he's sweet on maybe. her. Is that or what you're maybe getting at? Just getting closer, just because maybe. you know they spent some time together, and he's not so hating on her so much anymore. Or and they are, you know, the two relatively. And, and familiar with humanoids. each other from before, and they, they had a vague relationship. Oh. Plus, yes. I'm pretty sure that uh, Dal and Gwen, uh, they were the only ones their age on that asteroid mine for each other. So there's there was that attraction um, to, for okay. Gwen when she was always questioning them and stuff. All right. So in the end, Rock gets their hug, mm -hmm. finally, even though Janeway could not oblige. And uh, we learned that Rock has learned about quantum yeah. science, computer engineering, so <laughs> much math, and apparently this is now either our chief engineer or our chief science officer, or is this operations? Yeah, is that maybe. what? Is that what this? It encompasses? certainly seems like they threw uh, hmm. uh, Harry Kim just about anything. Those kinds of things do. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. So we have Gwen for communications, I would assume. Maybe. I think they should all talk about their job titles because I uh, Dal has much more learning to do, much like a first officer would, and Gwen certainly is much better and well trained, mm. more like a captain would be. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder. So, I, I I I agree. I think that the structure is the structure, though. I think that Dal is 
is the the captain, it seems mm-hmm. to me like maybe that's gonna stick. Because I don't know what else he could do. Because he doesn't really have any skills. <laughs> <laughs> he just has, like, often to me the idea of a captain is, and this is what I feel, uh, uh, Captain Pike on the Starship Discovery most recently exhibited was the captain acts as a filter of all of the ideas that mm-hmm. come in from his mm-hmm. leadership. So you take all the information from yeah. all of the crew, you know, using the department heads as proxy because all of the crew have a part and then they feed that information to the department heads. Department heads come to talk to you and you take that information, okay. you filter, and you decide what to do with it. And how to best serve yeah, that, I mean, you know, that the ship the crew sounds like a captain-y uh, kind with of With all that information. So besides that, I don't know what other skills Dal has really um, exhibited. Except for playing games, which just requires again that critical thinking. Yeah. Maybe uh, well, no, because this game. I was thinking like you know like a like a, like a navigator or something because of you know the computer interface, but no, because these games are all about cones and <laughs> discs. It's the brainwash game, brainwash junior. Uh-huh. Play it on your Game Boy. <laughs> Wait, your game? What? I've never heard of that. No, it's an it's a piece of ancient technology. Oh, okay. Something way before the millennials. Yeah, so here in the end, we have a crew who who has learned the value of humor. That that's true. That's very true. This is one of the things we learned today. Your natural, real life experiences instead of through some pointless hologram, holodeck. Ah, yes, so something happens and we learn it by using it. Oh, so now you think we're on a new phase of Prodigy? Where, like, instead of now, because before we were building the information, we were gathering the information, and now we can actually go out in the world and use it? Okay. Is that what's heading out? Yeah, there was no real technology that we uh, picked up on and learned on, except for maybe warp matrices. Yeah, warp matrix, we learned we learned that as a word, but I think, you know, like, as warp drive, we kind of, you know, it's it's nothing new. It's something that's, like, sort of an extrapolation of the original concept you know what i mean oh okay so and we didn't we like the vehicle replicator we used that but we didn't learn about anything we didn't really learn about much but uh real world math we learned about uh, a, a cosine wave oh yeah i mean kind of They're, they showed you what a cosine wave was i still don't remember what one is and i barely touched on that in some of my college courses but Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. That's that's definitely some uh, some advanced level math stuff. <laughs> One more thing on the uh, blink and you missed it. Yeah, blink. Oh, you'll miss it. Or wait, no, I think it's the other way around. Just blink <laughs> and you'll miss it. Uh, when the first time that Dal is making the first warp matrix, there's a brief cut where they show him screwing in a screw, and the screw head has an indent. Uh-huh. Oh, this is the one I was waiting for. The Starfleet, Delta. Starfleet Delta. Apparently, we've gone away Hooray. with heads and flatheads. We've gone to the Starfleet Delta, which kind of is almost, if you think about it, it makes a little bit more sense because it's almost like a star he- a-, a hex. Yeah, and it's also a securities crew because it has a little star in the middle oh, of it? the Delta as well. So, like, yeah, so you really have to have, you can't just have the outer piece. You have to uh-huh. have, like, the little okay. inset piece as well. Yeah, that. So I thought that was kind of cool. I, it was a little bit campy, but that I mean, it's it's a show. Hey, 
you, there's 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 a Starfleet Corps of Engineers for a reason. <laughs> We're not playing around here. Yeah, yeah. Better look at our nail heads. Of course, these are nail heads from Stardate six zero seven one two five point six. Whatever that means. Maybe we'll learn what that means when we encounter the next episode yeah. of Star Trek Prodigy. Uh-huh. It's called a Moral Star. It's a two-parter. And I think that we might have a little bit of a break on Prodigy because that is the end of that second segment. Remember we were talking about previously of episodes. And then there's the the big long stretch at the end, you know, yeah. after perhaps after a break. <laughs> yeah, well, I break. think we'll there's already breaks. been a week without it. So it may be... Maybe it'll only be a week break, but it seems like we might already be on that break, but I could be wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Speaking of warp matrices, Uh are are they using the term, are they using the phrase wrong? I thought a warp matrix was what the warp core creates, the warp bubble that the warp core creates in order to compress space to make, to travel, quote, faster than light. That's a warp bubble. Yeah, but right? I thought that to sound more sciencey, they called it a warp matrix. Well, I think a warp matrix is more of a thing that supplants the lithium. Like you can put a warp matrix in there because that's what dilithium is. Dilithium has a crystalline matrix and it channels the reaction of matter and antimatter in it. So maybe if you can channel the reaction of antimatter and matter through something else that would think that other thing else would be a warp matrix right. i think i follow along with what you're saying there. so more like the dilithium crystal chamber well so okay so the the warp matrix yeah. is the the whole warp control system basically the thing that channels the reaction right. and spits out the right. energy yeah so uh, maybe the proto the proto a proto yada yada needs that version that they're okay. building out of steampunk items that they somehow found <laughs> lying True. around the ship. Okay. I don't know where they found it rusted out before engine, but okay. <laughs> I just thought of the other thing I thought was interesting is how the almighty Starfleet computer is just brought to its knees by a literal corrupt in- internet file. Well, yeah, I mean, it's temporally corrupt. It doesn't expect to be temporally corrupt. So it's trying oh, to purge it okay. and it keeps like more and more keeps appearing and it, it's appearing so fast so it's like what the fuck is this let me just let me just uh let me just firewall this but in that in the end you end up firewalling like the entire replication uh-huh. system we'll say. but shouldn't janeway have uh instant access to computer errors and uh, warnings and stuff like that because if it blinks up a warning on that one screen but it never says anything but janeway you'd think that she would have it like an instant input into the computer or output from the computer on everything that's going on all over the ship everywhere at all times but writing oh plot plot you have to yeah if she knew everything all the time then she would be omniscient character okay (laughs) and we see what happens with Q come now what happened with Q he's coming back no don't tell me I don't want to know la 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 okay la 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 um yeah i think we're here <laughs> i think we found our place so guys we'll see you next time when we do uh check out the moral star a moral <laughs> star um not 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 an amoral star not in but the more <laughs> no, it's it's a more <clears throat> earl why don't you tell us the title of the next episode a a moral star well thank you for joining us this week or this time Thanks, uh, guys. let's talk about treks uh Please uh, stay positive, 
dream big, and you'll hear from us again soon. Old Lang Sign, damn sign wave. Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako 3 Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.